tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by Dave, Jackie, and Tristan. Nice one. That was a nice tight introduction from everyone. I'm not going to have to shuffle them all up in the edit. <laughs> Lovely. Um, this week we've been playing Seven Wonders and 878 Vikings again. We've been playing Seven Wonders by Anton Bowser. Oh, is it Antoine Bowser? Oh. Antoine is, is foreign, surely. Yeah, so Seven Wonders by Antoine. <laughs> Seven Wonders by Antoine Bowser. It's got an E at the end. So. Yeah, exactly, and it's got an I in it as well. It could be Antoine. So let's not start on the Anton, surname. Anton versus Antoine. Send your answers in on a postcard, please. And um, we've been playing Seven Wonders today with the Citadels and Leaders expansions. Is that yeah. correct? Yes, Citadel and Leaders. It was your first game, everybody. So I thought I'd uh, shuffle in as much complexity as possible in the first round. Yeah, it's my second game and uh, didn't win that one either. So two, two games in. I mean, it's no not wins. hard, is it? No, it's a nice Pick straightforward a game. Yeah, so it's, it's, ca- nice. it's, it's based on card drafting, isn't it? So you run over three ages of an empire. You've got an opportunity to build a wonder during each age. You can build up resources um, and then collect. Basically, it turns into a bit of a point salad. Um, but the way that you decide which cards you're going to get is just by literally taking one from a hand of about seven and then passing it on to your play, to the next player and then they'll take their pick. Dead, dead simples. Yeah, I'd, I'd never played it before. I'd watched you guys play it and I had no idea what was going on. So now I know what's going on. And um, <laughs> it, I quite enjoyed it actually. Yeah, I normally don't like these kind of games as you know. Um, but yeah, it was nice and fast. It's a good opener. It's nice and fast and simple. Get it done. And then back up the points at the end, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, you didn't like uh, Race for the Galaxy, did you? And, and that's probably, is it the closest to this that we've played, maybe? Uh, it's funny you should mention that, because I was kind of thinking, oh, I, I wish this was Race for the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I'd like to play Race for the Galaxy with six people. I think I think this did six quite, pretty well, like for us, like, there were six of us playing it, and it was yeah. quick. Yeah, um, and it was enjoyable. Um, I do. I think I prefer the theme of race with us. That's probably why I sort of lean towards that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. There's probably less variety in the scoring methods, which yeah. works well for more players. I think so. Yeah. There's less to try and keep track of with other players, so you can kind of just concentrate on your own game state a bit more and play that up. But there's plenty of player-to-player interaction. There's a, a military um, moment at the end of each round. So whoever's got the most military between three players will win points. So one player will have five military and then you'll go up against the person on your right and then the person on your left and everyone will do that. So there's a fair amount of attacking and defending and then um, point scoring opportunities open up. Yeah, I think because it was my first time playing it, it was quite overwhelming in a sense of all of, all of the symbols. There's lots of symbols on the cards and different ones come up at different times. And I didn't know what all of them meant. And yeah. later on in the game, I learned that, oh, well, I could have actually put that out and would have got way more points. 
yeah. but, but next time I play it, I'll know exactly what I'm doing. That's what prob- that probably occurs most in the third age when the guilds come into it. Um, so you go from having cards which have stri- very straightforward resource symbols or get money symbols for this to just very cryptic symbols and you have to go back and refer to the card yeah. index and that'll tell you exactly what's going on. And that's that's kind of a theme with, with uh, Bowser's games as well. Um, Ghost stories as well, that is full of symbology and you... I've not really played that much of it. I've, I've got it. It was one of the first board games I actually got, but I've just not played it that much because I think when I first started out, and I, I get it, I get why it is, because it's, you know, you, it sort of transcends like written language, doesn't it? It's, it's really good for sort of, anyone can play it, um, but it is a little bit, you're constantly checking at first and it, it all falls into place and it's all really sort of logical, Yeah. but it's just at first, it's like... Um, yeah, once you've got your head around a couple of the cards, then the rest of them sort of fall into place and you start working out what the icons might mean before you have to look it up. That, you know, helps helps the game sort of come along pretty quickly. Um, the learning curve's not very steep. So um, we've played... If we, both games that I played, we actually played with um, your little one, Raphael, and he seems to know the rules inside and out pretty. Have you played many games? Um, he's not actually played that many. I think we've maybe played four games before this one with the family um and yeah it's so he's eight but he's he's sort of seized on the rules and picked them up pretty quickly and i think it is one of those once you've played it once i played this once at uk games expo last year and it stuck with me for ages after um to the point where when i was at aircon i think it was it was staring at me it was it was on like the shop at the stand next door and i was just like oh yeah no that would actually be a really good game for the family so um, picked it up and it plays really quickly. Like no matter how many players there are, because you're playing simultaneously, um, you're just revealing your hand and playing it all in one go. We slowed it down a little bit tonight so that everybody could work out and see what everybody else was mm-hmm. doing. But once you've played it a few times, you're all just you know playing a card down and drafting it and then passing your hand to the person on the other side of you. So you just you rattle through it really quickly, um, and. The theme is very lightly pasted on, but it is a Civ theme, and I'm a sucker for Civ mm. builders. So this is like the super, super, super diet light version of Through the Ages, like one of my favourite ever games. Uh, the artwork on it is fantastic. Uh, once you've cracked the symbology, Light Race for the Galaxy, I think it all falls into place really quickly. I probably, I think it edges Race for the Galaxy for me. I do like, well, I love Race for the Galaxy, um, but this one, it, it might just be the hot new thing you know that we just started playing it a few times um but the art and the theme appeals to me more i would say and the fact that there's just light player interactions you not only get to fight each other at the end of each age you also get to buy like each other's resources so you can build a wonder based on what the people sat on either side of you have got um and now that we've got the expansions mixed in as well there's a few other ways you can uh sort of screw with other people by making them go into debt and things like that based on which guilds and which cards you play. So um, there's just enough to sort of keep you occupied and keep you building towards little combos of like, if you get different symbols for science buildings, you get extra points at the end of the game. And as you say, the guilds that you mentioned, they give you all kinds of different scoring opportunities that um, come out in the third age. So there's just a lot to sort of look for and, and to manage. You know, you've got your military, your science, your materials and gold and everything else and it always feels like you're doing something always feels like you're contributing and um furthering your sieve so 
Do you, do you think without the expansions, how, how long do you think you, it would have sort of held your attention without those expansions? That's a great question because... With, we don't have many. I think we've got one for Race for the Galaxy. I don't know. Sam, yeah. is it one that he's got? Yeah. yeah. It's the Gathering Storm, I think it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you always said when we played that, this needs more It does need more expansions, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because with Seven Wonders, we played it like two or three times with the family, went out and got um, leaders. Straight and, away. Yeah, straight yeah. away. Yeah. I'm and, like that with everything. And today <laughs> on the way home from town, uh, just popped mm. in Fanboy 3 and grabbed... Uh, the one that we chucked in tonight, which was Cities, I think it's called, and literally ripped the shrink off, chucked the box, shoved all the cards in and got involved straight away. I, th- I think that's another advantage of this game, though. Like You literally can just throw it in. It doesn't. It's not like it changes much. The rules yeah. are simple enough that you can just throw in whatever. Yeah, you, you, I mean, with Race for the Galaxy, it's a bit more complex, isn't it? It'd I be... suppose it's switching it up quite a, li- yeah. a, a little bit more. Well, the stuff that we added in from The Gathering Storm, is liter- we just added in the extra cards. Right. We've not even touched like the solo version of it yet mm. which apparently is really good um and with seven wonders you got like the leaders expansion is different it adds like another stage where everybody elects a leader at the start of each age which can change things up a little bit as well but without those yeah i don't know it, it was a fun game oh that's what it is so with so we were playing it three players as a family and you have the same pool i think i might be wrong on this i think you have the same pool of 21 cards in each age um so more players adds more cards but it does mean that if you're playing with three players repeatedly you're sort of going to see everything each game and it's about which order you do you know add them in and how you combo that so yeah so this in that respect i suppose is behind race for the galaxy because race for the galaxy you've no idea what combo is going to come out. You could be planning to pick up yellow cards or whatever and just never see them. Or, you know, same with the military strategy and that. Whereas in this, you've got a lot more awareness of, oh crap, everybody else has just played a military card. Now I need to play the only one that's left sort of thing. Yeah, and the game does keep you um, guessing as well. Like, I remember thinking, you can't really afford to neglect science sets because of how many victory points they bring in at the end of the game. And you can't really afford to neglect military because... If you keep missing out, then you'll keep missing out on all these almost like um, victory point multipliers. But then Francesca just managed to bag the win and she didn't really have any science sets and she had very little military. I think she kept getting beaten up by everybody. I think she had no military. Yeah, but because... She had Cleopatra, didn't she? That was it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, the the other one, I forget her name, begins with a B. It looks like Cleopatra, but she's not. That's something. Something, yeah. Yeah. She also... um, played one of the expansion things where you can get the dove of peace or whatever it is where, where you're exempt from war so then you sort of come out of the game and the people on either side of you battle instead uh, which is quite a neat little trick to add in an expansion but again it's quite a rare sort of card to get hold of but yeah she she bagged the win from nowhere and and um, by only one point and then the next lots of scores like pretty much all of us were within like less than eight points so she got 51 and then it, it was like 50, 48, 48, 44. So everybody, was, the grouping of points was really good for a first game. Everybody was like really on a on a par sort of thing. Yeah, just touching on the expansions thing, I just threw them in the game. I think, I don't think I think there was any text on any of the cards. It was all just symbols. That, that's like a Bowser thing. Like mm. he, he tries to make it multilingual. Yeah. Like everything but without but just using symbols. Yeah, so like any ages really can, well... Like it says ten plus, but I mean Raphael is what seven, eight, eight, and he just picked it up so quick. Yeah. 
because it does have a, a geek heritage yeah it just because even people who maybe can't see very well and stuff like that they can just glance over it's like, oh yeah you know there's no text there you don't have to sit there and read every little bit of the text yeah. so you can just all throw it all in one box and and there's, you know it's going to work. Yeah. There's reference sheets for everything as well, which you guys were just picking up and, you know, just doing your own thing on, on your own terms, just working out what everything does. And they're not too complicated. It's like one sentence explaining each symbol. And then once you've read a couple of them, you sort of get the gist of what the symbols might mean based on where they are and stuff. Um, it's also a very clever thing for international publishers to do when, when you're doing this. Because like Dave says, you know, if you're concentrating on translation like that, this is the easiest thing to translate into 30 different languages. And funnily enough, it's won 30 international awards, more than. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's obviously a, a trick that some of us could learn from rather than putting too much text in our games. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's not a particularly like a story-driven game. It is quite intuitive the way that you pick it up. Um, it doesn't, after just about two or three games, you're not really going to be reaching for that card reference too often. After one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you can Might pick- be the odd card. Yeah. yeah, you can pick it up quite quickly. And I do the expansions do exactly what expansions should do, and that's embellish the game, add more content, and add a bit of variety, but not really change the way that you play the game too much. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, the expansions for Seven Wonders has really like hit that mark. It's kept everything kind of fresh. So I played the first game, the second game I played with the expansions, completely different, but it's all so familiar enough that I didn't actually feel like I was out of my depth at all. It's just still picking up these new combos. It's a really interesting game. It's just a nice, easy game to play and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I think I think the main thing for me is the speed of it. Yeah. You could like just crank yeah. that out for like it's like half an hour. Like when you when you play with less people, do you end up playing more cards? No, it's the same. It's the same amount. So, so right. Um, with more people, you add more variety of cards um, into it. I say that you add more cards in. I'm assuming right. there's more variety. Mm. Um, it might just be duplicates of the same mm. ones, mm. but um, it's just literally you'll always have the same sort of hand size. So you will you always we you always play whatever like six cards per yes um, seven age. yeah six cards per age yeah. um, out of a hand of seven. Yeah. And I think. Uh, out of a hand of eight with that expansion where it adds mm. the sort of mercenary cards, the black cards as well. So you literally cut the time that we played in half with three players because it's just it's just three less people taking yeah. a turn in it. So like we played it in what, 45 minutes? So that's yeah. like a game like 20 yeah. minutes, three it's people. It's probably not even cut in half. Probably, it's probably like 10 minutes off because like I say, mm. the terms are pretty much simultaneous. Mm. So actually, yeah, um, that's true, yeah. you're not really... You, you can't, as long as you've got three or more players... Mm. As a player, you're only really concentrating on the, the guys on either side of you. I suppose that's one thing against it is um, there were players like uh, Jackie and Francesco sat opposite me uh, and Lecky, in fact. I was just never going to interact with you mm. or borrow your resources or whatever. So in that respect, you're not really having... But then I think doing that would would add too that's... much. It would stop it from being so light and sort of flowing so well. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. stick you'd have to that. You'd have to look at everybody's boards. Yeah. And, yeah. and I suppose actually occasionally, like when Francesco played the Dove of Peace thing, you do you do suddenly find yourself up against somebody you didn't think you were, and the some of the expansion cards add the thing where everybody else gets a debt that they have to pay, so they do actually impact all the other players. But the, it's very minimal the interaction, and I think that absolutely, as you say, adds to the speed of play. Um, and if it did drag on, that's probably where it starts to falter, and, and its simplicity might 
uh, start to show cracks. But because it doesn't, and because it plays so quickly, and it's like, whoa, it's all over, let's score. Hmm. You're just like, oh, it's a nice little game, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so no, and that because of that, I, I really like it, and it's very beautifully presented. I love all the artwork and uh, the theme, the box cover with all the different wonders that you're building, and that uh, it's a tidy little package. I'm glad I finally picked it up. The eighth wonder is the game. Ooh. So the second game we played today was 878 Vikings from Academy Games. Now, me and Tristan did cover this game a couple of weeks ago, so if you want to pick up and see what we thought about the game as a two-player game, um, you can jump back into the archive and listen to that. But we played it as a team game today. Um, the expansions are available, but we just played the basic game. So, um, Jackie and Dave, what do you think about Vikings? You know, I had high hopes for this game, because I've been watching The Last Kingdom on Netflix and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in the mood for that. And I think I mentioned, I yeah. think for two players, it's much, it'll probably be much better. But as a four player game, I was just mostly sitting there going, yeah, all right, Dave, we can do that. Yeah, all right, Dave, we'll do that. And just sort of rolling some dice sometimes. And that was it. And so I think I was a bit underwhelmed, basically. Definitely was underwhelmed. Almost exactly like the dynamic of those. Um viking raiding parties it's like one chieftain just pushing around a few other crews <laughs> i see what you mean i had a pretty um summer experience i think um, it felt a bit more democratic on our side of the table so it was uh, me and tristan versus dave and jackie or just dave or just, or just, or just dave <laughs> and um dave's played it's the first time you've played the game today isn't it and dave's played before with tristan mm. so i think just more game knowledge could also help you know push have one player have more of an impact i feel like the other. and this might be getting a jump in ahead a little bit but i feel like generally it's pretty obvious what you need to do but i think yeah if you're the first if it's the first time you played it you probably don't see do you know what i mean mm. yeah i do feel like a lot of the time it's pretty obvious there's there's options for like where you're gonna land um as the vikings and stuff but but even then, it's like it's, it's generally it's not like a huge it's not a brain burner. It wouldn't work if yeah. it was a brain burner. It just wouldn't. Yeah. So so, but it is definitely sort of prone to alpha gameplay. I don't I don't think it works particularly great as a team game. It's just it's just I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So for people um, that hadn't heard our previous podcast, Eight Seven Eight Vikings is an area control war game um, based on just pushing soldiers around, pushing leaders around, and then resolving combat with dice rolls. Um, so as a two-player game, you, there's there's four factions. So there's two lots of Vikings and two lots of Saxons. And in a two-player game, you control both of two of those each. Whereas in the four-player game, we each get one. So um, that, that's where we are. We did break the game, I think, at the end, though. We played two games. The first game, the the Saxons won. The second game, we caught, we played a card which Dave likes to call the bull <laughs> card. Um, where, the bull bleep card. <laughs> where basically, historically, the Vikings have put a Thane in there and he's pledged allegiance. And any troops that end up in there, and if you have this card, is the Saxons, you are screwed. 
and you had your entire army on that. Led by Alfred. Yeah. Led by Alfred on that place. And I just went, right, here you go. And that was it. He just wiped. I think you had three or four guys left on the map. Yeah. And that it, was it. It was the Viking equivalent of the Red Wedding, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think we worked out the Vikings were going to win anyway. But I think... No, we worked that out because of that card. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but it did feel like I mean it wasn't a good win. It was just like one of them bull bleep wins. I don't like, I don't know. I can I can see where you're coming from with that. And now at the time, now that we know it's there, the same. Yeah, now we know it's there. We know we have to respect those three areas in the middle of the board. Yeah. So there's only three areas where it's really going to come into effect, and it's got the little castle icon on it, isn't it? Um, but. In terms of it breaking the game, it's just the way the game's set up. It's another way of... It's, histor- it's historically it accurate. It's the three three places in Mercia, isn't it, where, yeah. where it did happen. Yeah. Uh, what what yeah. lets the game down is that the game makes a very big fact about this is a powerful card to play under the right circumstances. But there's no way other than by developing it through gameplay experience that the players are going to know so it does kind of it leaves leaves a very bitter taste in the mouth, mm. and it almost I don't know. Do you feel like it might have felt like it's robbed you of that sense of satisfaction of a of a win? Not not really, because I was I was looking at because me and Jackie were on the same team. I was looking at that card for about six turns. Well, not six turns, only five turns a game, but for ages. And there was at one point where you had quite a large army in that area, and you probably you might remember this now, but I was pulling troops out of a big battle that I probably could have won, but I was just pulling them out and I was planning to get Jackie to just do it the next turn right. and kill everyone in there. But my guys won, my guys won somehow. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just dice chucking in it. It's just a lot. And then, and this is one of the ways where it went that way. Um, but, but later on, Alfred ended up in there and he had the massive army and just all died. And it was, it was like, it robbed, not robbed, I mean, just yeah. a little bit. It it felt like if that was an if that was if the whole game hinged on that, I think it would have just been like a really sort of hollow. And I don't think you guys would like it. It's like Tristan says, that's not fun, is it? When you just pull like pull like a card out of nowhere and go, "Ooh, that's yeah. a game win!" Like no one, no one likes <laughs> no. that, do they? Yeah. yeah. And also, like that card's been clogging up your hand for six turns, being absolutely yeah. useless. Well, I was I was reading it and. I was trying to see the symbols on the board and I couldn't see them. And I was reading the card. And I was like, I understood what it meant and what I had to do. And I was thinking, when do I use this? And I'm looking at Dave and he's like, no, it's all right. Just leave it. Just leave it. It's all right. Yeah. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. And then it, it clicked. And when Tristan said, shall we move him up, like Alfred yeah. and all of his men into here? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was being a bit yeah, more subtle than that. I, I was going like, well, "What about these places down here?" Oh, oh no, oh, don't yeah. go into there. Yeah, oh. and then it, it clicked. I was like, "Yeah, if he moves into there, that's his whole army." It was wiped out. Yeah, yeah, it was a last ditch gambit from us, wasn't it? It's like, yeah, the, it was. It was looking a little bit one sided, and it was the last opportunity where we'd have to claw back some cities. Yeah. So we had thirty troops all on Alfred's card. And we made a big pitch for the middle of England, England to take it back. Um, and most of the cards in the game are actually really cool. The events add a cool dynamic to each battle. The Vikings can hold up in forts and they get extra bonuses. They can avoid certain hits. 
the English can attack, and normally when they attack, they don't get to bring the feared with them, but they've got cards that allow them to bring the feared along or advanced training cards. And all of these cards, all these events, impact the battle in a cool way, or maybe you can have um, a couple of Norsemen or a couple of Thanes turn traitor and you know fight against the brethren. And so it causes these cool little things, and usually the impact of that is one or two units are removed from the map, or maybe even more if you roll well, you know, a couple of units. But to have one card remove 30 <laughs> like units from the game and instantly lose because of it. Now that we know it's there, of course, we can plan for it. Now that we know it's there, the Berserker player might just decide not to include that card in his deck or her deck. Yeah, well, they, we've can, not used the advanced events Yeah, yet, well, they're not yeah. advanced. I've been through them. They're all just duplicates. So well, you might just put like a... Another one, an extra, an extra of, light shield wall or yeah. whatever you want to use. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, now that we know that it's there, but now it, it's a threat. It, now, isn't okay. it? That's yeah. like you just don't but, go near but there. But to discover it like that, yeah. with like no inkling. It's like, I, I think, think we mentioned in the book, I think but, we mentioned Dark Souls. Like <laughs> you sort of, it's just thrust you upon just you, have to lose, and yeah. now you learn from it. But yeah. like it's like an hour of gameplay before you learn from it. If yeah, I mean, if the tables yeah. were turned and we played it on you, that would have felt like. Cheap, yeah, cheap as hell, but only under those circumstances. Because if you'd have played that when we'd moved maybe two or three militia in there, you know, mm. and you'd just remove those, you'd be like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah, it's just when we put all our eggs in one massive basket. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the end of that. And I think we uh, like we spent about ten minutes looking on BGG trying to find. Is yeah. there a way out of this horrific event that just happened? Yeah, I, I had a look on BGG as well, and I think most of the replies were. Well, now we know it's there. We will just look out for that one next time. It was just a lot of people have been caught out by that. Yeah, especially first yeah. time players. Yeah. What What do you think about those sort of things in general? Because I know there's that we've talked quite often about that one card in Eldritch Horror that puts you back a mystery. Yeah. Um, and when you know it's there, you just keep two clues, and you just keep two clues in the bank, and then when it pops up, gone. Um, but until you know it's there, you don't. It's yeah. What do you do? Curve. Yeah. But it's it is like anything like that. It's not it's not fair. It's not fair, that's what it is. It's just not a fair sort yeah. of thing to happen. It's almost like miss a turn. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the, one of those things that doesn't it doesn't beget fun. And and on the flip side, once you do know it's there, it's almost inconsequential. You're just not gonna go near Mercia. Or if you are if you do, you're gonna make sure you keep all three places. So Well it will change up our strategy now, you know, it will mm. change the way we approach that from both sides, from the Vikings mm. and from the English side. Definitely. I mean there's um I think when me and Tristan played the game there was a sort of wide alley in Mercia that neither of us really went in. We used that as a thoroughfare to try and jump from the north or the south. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it just goes to show next time we play the game, is there going to be more, like, is it going to be a bone of contention in Mercia or we're going to kind of give it up quickly or try and hold on for a bit longer and then the second we'll lose one, just evacuate. Um, but I think it was just bad that we moved pretty much every available soldier that we had on the board you, you didn't, into that place. You didn't really have a choice, though. No, you no, had, God, no. I think we was like, was it five or six cities? I think you need to yeah. get, was it six cities did we work oh, out? Was it five yeah. cities? So, well, it was actually four before the start of that turn. So if I'd have taken two and then Lecky had taken two, yeah. we had a chance of going back. Mm. But mm. after that happened, it was yeah. Yeah, game over. Yeah, because yeah. we still had a turn, didn't we? I think yeah, Berserkers still had a go, yeah. 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 There was too many territories probably in the north of the map that we couldn't get to, really. Yeah, even without the um, chicanery, <laughs> it would have been tough to pull pull it back. Um, but yeah, at that point it was... A- yeah, 
I mean, in the first game, we managed to keep on top of your leaders, so we stopped you from really. The f- first game was just an absolute shambles. That was like I've never, I've never seen dice rolling like that. That was like the English who were supposed to be pretty bad at fighting were just killing Vikings left, right, and centre with peasants and everything. Yeah, we had but that's feared rolls, didn't we? Where the feards were turning out like Uhtred, son of Uhtred, Berser- slaughtering, yeah. and Bers- slaughtering berserkers left, right, and centre. Berserkers weren't killing anything. Yeah. Like it was just, it was just really weird. But, but did you get? Did the Vikings get wiped off the map in that game? Is that the Viking, game? yeah, but at the end, I just threw the Vikings into a battle. I just oh, thought, I want yeah, to, no. let's just finish Tainted, this now. Yeah, yeah. I, but you know, when you reach the point where you think there's absolutely no way because it was it was going to be the final turn next turn. Yes, because the so there's two cards um, on either side of the game uh, called Treaty of Wedmore, basically mm. in every deck. And if both of those get played, it means the end game is coming in round five. Mm. Um, if it's played any earlier than that. And to be honest, they ha- they seem to happen in every game that we've played yeah. so far. We've yeah. only played four or five games, but the the way that your deck has um, happened in every spins game. them out, mm. they're move cards as well. So you do sometimes you can find yourself forced to play them. Sometimes I have, you yeah, want I was to play forced them. to play one. Yeah. yeah, but it does end the game earlier than the what. What do you think rounds. about that? Just while we're on the subject, like when you know the outcome, when you know what the outcome is going to be, what do you think about just going? Oh well, tank it. Uh, that's or, call, like or calling or calling but, games or calling games but I'm, I'm not a massive fan of that just because it feels like oh well I can't be, can't be bothered with this but, but I can understand we would have know, spent half an hour rolling dice to an inevitable conclusion whereas we played another game instead we just reset start again yeah yeah, yeah. at the end of the day it's a decision to be made by everyone at the table isn't it mm. it's like if two people have a four player game I think well we know where this is going we can quit now and start again and that's fair enough you're probably going to get a consensus that agrees whereas if it's one person you just think mm, I don't know maybe we've done mm-hmm. then you, you kind of it, some situations you may be stealing some a few turns of fun from other players because they might just want to see how it plays out in other situations like you're saying it could just be an absolute waste of time to follow through it just yeah it would that drastically affect games like Eclipse and Through the Ages and Nations there, so if yeah. you if you bail on your sieve then or or whatever what your army then the knock on effect for everybody else is a bit shitty really yeah. so um and like through the ages you can do that in the middle of a war someone declares war and you. you just go i quit the game and there's rules for like what the impact of that is like wow. you resigning out before the war happens they've invested all of their army they've sacrificed troops and resources to try and murder you basically and you pull out of the game so then they've left themselves wide open for the next guy kind of thing because you've got no resources yeah. to take from this so that's horrendous <laughs> but it's obviously born from you know lots of play testing that yeah. um so there's, there's lots of different ways that games handle that if i'm in a losing position in a game like that i tend to just play it out so that everybody else can see how it goes if it's if the game allows you to win or lose that early on that you think oh, i'm going to be playing for hours yet you know and i know that i'm going to lose that's definitely in the the design thing I don't know if this game does that because it's so swingy. Well, well, it's very swingy. If it was like the first turn, because we played until like the first turn was horrific for the Vikings. It was just a, it was just an absolute slaughter. They got nowhere. They got wiped out to a man. The the half dam was killed. Ivor came in the turn after he was killed pretty quick. But by like because we had both the Westmore or what's it called? Treaty of Wedmore. The Treaty of Wedmore cards out, forced to play them. it was going to end in the fifth turn. And at the beginning of the fourth turn, it was just like, we've not got any troops. England's got a massive army spread everywhere. Yeah. There's just nothing. It's it's easy to call this game in that sort of situation because there's no runner-up. 
But that's it. And it's not like, and it's not like, um, it's not like you could pull off like some sort of amazing sort of strategic thing yeah. that you could do because it, it's not that sort of game. Do you no. know what I mean? It's literally you're going to take this, you're going to go for the cities, and you're going to roll the yeah. dice. Um, so I think in, I think Tristan's right. I wouldn't ever sort of say in a game of Eclipse, <laughs> like whoa, because Eclipse is like anything could happen in Eclipse. Even when like I remember yeah. when uh, I remember that game we played. With you, Lecky. Oh, do you remember? Did they come at you with some big ships? Yeah, and then you got slaughtered. <laughs> Does it sound like me at all? But, but you got slaughtered, but not by me. It was, I think, it was Sam. Yeah. You left yourself wide open, and it looked like you were going to win. Oh yeah, that'll happen. And I came back as well because because yeah. Sam took the pressure off me. So, but in in a game like this where it's literally just two sides against each other, I think yeah. it's a bit. I mean, in terms of like team gameplay and the base game of uh, Vikings, do you think there's enough game to warrant a four-player? Or do you think they should have just called it a two-player game and put on more stuff? I think what I called it was it's a two-player game with the ability of four players, basically. It's just it, the extra two players don't really add anything. They're just rolling some dice and saying, oh, yeah, I'll do that. That's that's it. There's no, There's no cooperative there. It's not like... You have to. You're forced to play together. It's just they're just there, yeah, you, and they have the extra role, and that's it. You're all yeah. controlling the same pieces most of the time. Like in where you're not, you've kind of made a bit of a mistake. Um, so yeah, it's not really. I don't. I don't know. Is it a team game? I say. I say it it's is, not. It, it, it really, is a team game. It is a team game, but a team game's any good? Don't know. It's, I, I think not. It's. <laughs> If you're playing it as a two-player game, the variation in factions is quite interesting. You know, you know, you've got tough berserkers and weaker Norsemen, or tough housecarls and weaker thanes, and it's something that you play on, and it's quite interesting. Um, and I thought before we started playing it as four players, I was interested to see how that dynamic would work out. I was like, I've got fewer guys, but they're a bit more highly trained. Like he's got loads of guys, so he can bulk up everywhere. But you know, uh, and he gets more dice. But then these guys run away more often, sort of thing. Um, we'll be moving each other's troops around so there'll be a bit of back and forth in that kind of thing um, and there was a little bit of strategic discussion but at the end of the day we were basically sort of sharing out dice and going yeah. right you roll this time sort of thing um, so in that respect it didn't feel like I was um, holding any cards that I could surprise him with as much as you know you guys it was just very much you know what, what should we do in this turn it felt like four people playing two sides um, with a little bit of variety between the two. I think for less experienced gamers, that might be a nice touch. That might be sort of a cool way to get more people engaged in a two-player game. Um, but I think for us, maybe it, it didn't yeah, land as well. It didn't really because... hit, did it? I think when you've, when you've sat and had a look at something like War of the Ring, which to me... Or a Distant Plane. <laughs> that's not really a team game, though. Like, But War of the Wrong... War of the Wrong. War of... <laughs> that's something else. War of the Ring is like that is a team game, is it? Because Saruman and um, the other chap, Sauron, the bad man, Sauron, the baddie man, um, complete. I think they're completely different. Like you, you own those troops. Like in this, because you're moving everyone, you're moving the other person's troops everywhere. It's a bit like, um, uh, do you need to be here, Lucky? Probably not. Well, you know, <laughs> if Tristan wants to push his men from the other side of the map, you know, he's going to have to do yeah. some stretching. Well, I think there was a point, I think, in the second game where we said, okay, no telling people what to do. 
And then Lucky made a move. And then I just heard a squeaky noise from Tristan. Oh, yeah. As he was trying yeah. his hardest not to go, no, don't I do mean, that. I mean, I already violated that rule before I made that irksome. <laughs> yeah. Point. So we, yeah. we kind of, we came up with a house rule because of um, not really quarterbacking, but just louder players. Because the sort of game it is, if you disagree with what your teammate's about to do and you say, no, you shouldn't do, do that, then that's it. Their turn's already kind of been sullied because they're going to win. Well, we can't do that now because it's been vetoed. So we came up with the idea of that if it was your turn, then the teammate could be asked advice for, but not really give it without it being solicited, yeah. mm-hmm. which didn't really work either because I just boned our game practically by moving a load of our forces from one key position where they were being quite useful into the middle of nowhere, uh, right next to the rest of the army, where it, it wasn't a great move, looking back at it. Um, and then Tristan pointed out what the better move might have been, which, you know, it's, it's brilliant as part of, like, learning. As, um, it's all part of, like, you know, strategy games. Um, but because of the way that troops move and the way that every action's kind of dictated, it's so easy for players to quarterback, uh, be it if they willfully or not really it's just making a suggestion to somebody at the wrong time can kind of ruin their sense of player agency mm. it's not the game's fault and it's not games as fault it is the game's think. fault because it's a i think it is a two-player game and yeah. they just stretched it's like um we mentioned star wars rebellion the four-player game of that's just falls flat doesn't it mm. two players yeah, it's a really good game it. i really enjoy it but four players we, we were just sort of like yeah i was gonna say in a lot of the games we've played four player there is sometimes a bit of, you know, alphering, you know. But this is the worst one, I think, for that, that I've ever played. For that, also, it was like just... cooperative games, do you think? What's that? Well, cooperative games can often suffer from alpha gaming because Sometimes, one says, oh, I think, like, with, with Kingdom Death, for example, I think we had a little bit of that going on, but it wasn't too bad. It was like, okay, I'll just do that. And then sort of you got on with your own turn. With this, it was like, you have to do that or... yeah. What else are you going to do? Yeah, you're both going to yeah. lose. It's just, there's no, it's just, it's it just doesn't work for a player. Yeah. The complexity is not there really to stop um, stronger players from interfering with other players' turns because when we're playing Kingdom Death, everyone's got a crib sheet. Everyone's kind of um, optimized where their equipment is. You know what your attacks are going to be more powerful and everyone's kind of working on what combos are going to use and how they can evade the tactics of the monster. There's plenty going on. Whereas with Vikings, you've got a map and you're just moving troops around a certain number of places. It's very easy for each player to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you've got three cards in front of you. It's, it's nothing too abstract about it to stop someone saying, why, why are you doing that? That's a bit silly. Yeah. Mm. I, think, I think the simpler games, the more simpler cooperative game is, the more it does lend itself to alpha game like Pandemic, quite prone to alpha players, I think. I found anyway yeah. um, stuff where you've got hidden information sort of that's why the, the sort of cooperative games I prefer are stuff with uh, traitors I like any I like Battlestar Galactica and Dead of Winter anything like that because yeah. it takes that sort of alpha player bit out of it because if anyone's sort of bossing you about you just you stop being why, you must be the traitor if you want me to do that do you know what I mean it, yeah. it adds yeah. that sort of level of you're not going to listen to this person um, whereas and it's like something like this. I mean, it was. It was just sort of. Fans just felt like me and Tristan, <laughs> like, didn't it? Do you not think? Well, maybe a little bit. Not, was... I'm not saying all the time, but at times it was just like. Mm. Well, what do we think about the mechanics of the game then? Like, mm. you know, the 
when you are playing it and you're rolling and you're moving your troops around, is it fun? Is it still fun? Yeah, it's fun, but it's... Yeah, it's fun. I still, I mean, I still enjoy both of those games tonight. Yeah, the the sec, I enjoyed the first game more than the second. I think because it was a sound win. More than, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. more than the shocking defeat at the hands of that one guard, you mean? Yeah, you, exactly. Do you not think you would have enjoyed it if we'd sort of switched factions? Um, probably it yeah. would have been because you were the English twice. Yeah, the English were a bit dull. Tonight. Might have been something a bit different. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I played the English when it was just being interesting as well, and I enjoyed. I definitely enjoyed playing two player more than four player. Um, the second game wasn't as great, but then I think, like I said, I made some mistakes while we were playing it, and I think just generally um, would probably probably played enough of it. Tonight. Played enough of it yeah. by that second game. Yeah, I think you just hit a nail on the head there. Um, I don't think it's a bad game at all. It's a, a, not a wildly different experience. It's just that it just didn't seem there's enough game there for four people. I wouldn't I wouldn't base a night around it again, but I think it's quick enough. I could very easily just blast one out. I mean, what time did we finish Age of Wonders? It was like eight o'clock. Yeah. We've I mean, played two games of that since. There's a, there's a reason that I think three of us have played this game previously and then we're just dying for it to come back out on the table. And it's just, I think it's just the law of the numbers, really. It's brilliant, absolutely phenomenal two-player game. For people, not so much. Yeah, four-player. For fun, I didn't really feel like it was fun. Like, I was playing the Berserkers, and a lot of the time I had no Berserkers left on the table, so I didn't even have to roll dice. I was just sort of sitting, twiddling my thumbs. I think the most fun I had in it was when I got to read out that card. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, we basically are screwed. End of game. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to try it with the expansions now. I think we're ready for them. There's like nine of them. All these plug-in options for pillaging churches and building forts and all this kind of stuff. So let's let's see what that brings next time. Okay. Yeah, that could be the uh, complexity that we need. Mm. But will the board chipless listeners listen to a third podcast on eight seven eight Vikings? We might have to uh, give it a couple of months. Next game. <laughs> War of the Ring. So next week on Eight Seven Eight Vikings, the podcast. <laughs> Eight Seven Nine Vikings. <laughs> oh, there we go then. Um, so yeah, so let us know um, what your thoughts and opinions are on the game. If you've played it as a team game with the expansions or just as the base game, but really enjoyed it, let us know. Let us know why and how you um, worked out to get around the game-breaking Charford cards. Is it though? No, it's not. It's 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 pr- probably pretty well implemented. If, if you knew your history, if you knew your history, or you just had a bit more game knowledge, I don't know. I don't know how much because I've not read, written the rules. Because one of the things about our game nights is that Tristan or David or even Jackie, if it's one of her games, who do such a great job of explaining rules as we play, that I never have any reason to look in the rule book. So I don't know if on page three, when it says introduction to Saxons, is do not ever let the Vikings get these three districts because they've got this card that's going to ruin you. That um, yeah. yeah. That, should, that should be like the first rule. Do you know what? It is. Because it explains all the cards. It's on the map. So you could literally go and look in the rule book, um, it, but you wouldn't if you want your map. game. Ain't nobody yeah. got time for it. It's rules. on the map legend as um, here's a little castle. Mm. This means it's a Charfer event. No one queried area. it. <laughs> and no one's <laughs> like, like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? But yeah. it is sandwiched between like. It's this your is own West fault. As well. no. Yeah. 
No, totally. I hope um, you've learned your lesson. And I hope if... Uh, do you think if you left this game for like a year, 18 months, came back to it, do you think you remember that? I think we probably would at this point. Don't yeah. forget that. No. <laughs> Not in a hurry. Yeah, that's in there forever now. Yeah. That's seared into it's your memory. learning curve. Yeah. And, like you said, the game's so quick, you know, it's not like it ruined a five, six-hour game that we've been playing all night. No. That was like an hour and a half, maybe, that, mm. yeah. that went down the toilet. <laughs> that's that's up there with, if you're playing Game of Thrones as Baratheon, get a boat in King's Landing Bay straight away. <laughs> it's just like, right, it's just something I have to do, otherwise I've got no chance. Mm. Yeah. I mean... The, yeah, <laughs> probably other things you could Good do. Point, Probably other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think you should do that in Game of Thrones. <laughs> totally. Well, there, there you have it. Um, so yeah, just let us know um, if you've got differing or the same opinions as Eight Seven Eight Vikings as us. It's um, a great week of gameplay. Uh, we're going to be at UK Games Expo this week, so probably the weekend just gone when this podcast drops. So hopefully we might have some stuff to report back on from there. So thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.